Hello, you're listening to Gays Gays, in which we're gay and we gaze into media that's by, for, or about ladies who love ladies. And sometimes we talk about other stuff. I'm Erin, and I'm not jealous. I just can't stand knowing that you looked at someone besides me. <laughs> and I'm Erin, and I'm a mentally unstable lesbian. And I'm Erica Friedman. Grant me the power to revolutionize the world. Oh, yay! We are joined today by Erica Friedman, and we're so excited. This is an extra special episode. If you are a regular listener of Gays Gays, you'll know that we usually don't have somebody on uh, to chat like this, but we just couldn't pass up this opportunity. Erica is a author, editor, researcher, and overall Yuri authority. Uh, you may know Erica as the founder of Yurigon or as the owner of one of the oldest lesbian-themed media blogs centered around Japanese media called Okazu, or you may know them from a lecture at a convention or film festival. Their book, By Your Side, The First 100 Years of Yuri Anime and Manga, is available now for purchase. So go out there and get it's it. so good. Yeah. <laughs> we both love we both read it and loved it. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. I'm really glad to hear that. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was at Anime NYC this past year and I just happened to see Erica at their booth in the artist alley. And I was like, oh, a Yuri book. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, and we just got chatting and now we're here. <laughs> Long story short. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I was so excited to meet somebody who's doing a Yuri podcast. And I was super enthusiastic about your, your enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really what it, why it was the best part about going back to a con. I had, been, had not been tabling in more than a decade. But remembering how wonderful it is when people are enthusiastic about what you have. It really is such an amazing feeling. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, and it was so funny, too, because... Aaron had already had your book and was telling me about it the week before, and then I had kind of forgotten. <laughs> and then had texted Aaron like, "Oh, look at this cool book!" And then Aaron's like, "I know what that is." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "I just told you." Yeah. But then, of course, I was like, oh, my gosh, you got to meet Erica. That's so awesome. Mm. Oh, yeah. Everybody who says that says that. And I don't <laughs> I don't really buy it. <laughs> I always say I'm like, I'm just a person. But yeah, I, I really enjoy meeting folks. I really do. Um, it's really exciting to meet people who are enthusiastic about Yuri. Every time, every time people are just so excited that something about Yuri is there and that somebody's calling it that. And, and even though it's been 20 years and things have so radically changed and we have more Yuri than ever and more a good Yuri than ever, really good Yuri this year, uh, there's still so much excitement about, oh, hey, I can do this. I can have a Yuri thing. This is so exciting. Yeah. And I love that. I'm really, I'm thankful you do like my book though. Um, you know, I wrote it for folks just like you. You know, these are all the essays and the lectures I've done over the 20 years. And this way, hopefully, if you're doing some or one of your listeners is doing some research, you have a place to start now. Yeah. And that was what I didn't have. So now yeah. I put it together and now we can all move forward and do good research, you know? Yes, definitely. Reading this, it reminded me of being in college and wanting to do essays on shoujo manga and really only having the essays by Rachel Thorne that I could reference mm -hmm. in my sure. papers. And mm -hmm. so like it's been 10 years since then. And this is 
there's a wealth of knowledge out there now, but yeah. And, but even so, I mean, it's, it's both easier to find stuff and harder to find stuff. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the internet makes it easier to find something, but is it something that's citable? Is it something that's usable? Is it something that, that you want to refer to, or you mm -hmm. want anyone else looking up? having all the ideas that I had. And, and a lot of it was just, I wanted to get my own thoughts on those first 20 years. Cause it was a, a lot of time where, and I'm not the only one, hardly the only one where the audience was building what Yuri was. I have an entire essay about how we basically, we, the fandom contributed strongly to what Yuri is seen as now. So when people come up to me and go, well, I only ever see Yuri like this. And I think work harder at it because <laughs> you're not looking hard enough. There's so much. I wanted people to see how much is out there, where it came from, and understand, really, and this was the key point, understand where it came from, because up until like the late 2010s, I was still getting people saying, oh, I wrote this story because no one else is doing it. I'm going, that was okay in 98, and now it's less okay. So I'm trying to shift this, no one else is doing it, and like, instead of that, say, thank mm -hmm. you, like, I haven't seen this before. You yeah, know, definitely. rather than thinking yes. no one else has ever thought this thing that I thought, which I guarantee is not true about anything. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, Shakespeare probably had the same thought. <laughs> like, let's, mm -hmm. any thought thing you can do, Shakespeare already did. So just give up originality. Yeah. But seriously, you can think about just because you came to something today doesn't mean that nobody else did that it just means that mm -hmm. today is your first day doing that thing like i did martial arts for many years and i still practice at home um every single person has to recreate the wheel in martial arts it doesn't matter what martial art you're doing your teacher says it's going to be like this you have to do this practice this think about this and every person comes to a moment and goes oh holy shit i get it <laughs> there's a moment no matter what move you're doing no matter what technique or what form what kata, whatever and you go oh because you felt it that first time. And I feel like Yuri is exactly like that because people first have their own journeys and then they have the fandom journey. Then mm. there's what's okay. out there and available and it's then it's what is surrounding them. And so mm -hmm. I think it's a different situation where you're, you've got young people being able to watch Owl House now, which I clearly did not grow up with Owl House or anything like it, you know? And so yeah. um, she ran the princesses of power yeah, and stuff like mm -hmm. that, where you're like, you know, at nine years old, had I had content like that, or had I grown up mm -hmm. at nine years old and had Sailor Moon, my life would have probably been a lot gayer a lot sooner. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's so funny. In the same vein, there's like Steven Universe, which very clearly references uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena like several times. And Sailor Moon yeah. a number of times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, it's very front and center there. It's mm -hmm. not like it's hidden. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, it's pretty obvious Rebecca Sugar had some... Uh, key moments there. And Steven Universe, actually, in 2016, my wife and I started applying two episodes of that every night mm -hmm. before sleep so that we wouldn't stress out every night because it was such a horrible year. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And we just we couldn't cope with reality as it was. So we just basically watched at least two episodes of Steven Universe every single night. We'd get all the way to the end, start over again, all the way to the end, start over again, just kept doing that for four years because it was just, it was the right headspace. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it's a great, great, great uh, story. And also another one where you can give it to adults and you can give it to kids. Oh, I know. Oh my um, gosh. It's a, it's a different world now where young people are going to be moving into the world and going, there is stuff about people like me, even if it's not my story. Everybody's mm -hmm. always looking for their specific <laughs> story, which is 
why I get things like people go, you know, I really want something about such and such, but, you know, can you give me recommendations? And my answer, I'm sorry to say, is always no. I don't do recommendations because I have very distinct uh, needs and desires of my own. <laughs> and I like women who beat the crap out of each other. So not really recommended for most people, like like black and white, uh, tough love at the office. When I say that, in case you wonder what I'm talking about, um, Sal Jiang has a story that's out now by Seven Seas. And it's about two adult women in the office who are equals, but absolutely hate each other's guts. And they have like hate sex in the office. And it's really like perfect for me, but I wouldn't go, you would love this. That is, no, <laughs> that is so funny. People like you go on, like, what, what kind of, you know, would you recommend to be like, I won't recommend things to you because oh, I don't know what you want. That is so funny because we, we did want to ask just one question about your recommendations. Yeah, I don't, I don't do recommendations. I saw that. Theory. So that, that's fine. We don't have to talk about that. But what I will say is if you want to do recommendations every year at the end of the year, I write a top 10 list or a series mm -hmm. list, depending on the year, um, where I talk about series of note, mm -hmm. things that really for me were important, uh, people, publishing companies, um, artists, individual artists, series and, and media that really made a difference. And mm -hmm. um, so if you go on to Okazu and you click on the sidebar, there's a categories drop down go all the way down to the bottom top 10 lists and you will find my end of year lists. And that is the closest thing to recommendations. Of. And, and we can link that out on our Twitter too. Yeah. To share with, with our listeners. Yes. This year I was really, I had literally so much to write about that. I just, uh, 10 is a very fictitious number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had like 15 or something. But yeah, I'm going to look into black and white. Cause that's actually also the kind of thing that I like to see in Yuri. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Is it, are there any other like favorite tropes that you like to see? I mean, like so many other lesbians right now, I'm done with romance stories. <laughs> I, I know many of us are done with high school stories, but there's a reason why those were safe and, and sold. And we could talk about mm -hmm. that. That's a whole historical trend. I'm glad for a lot of the stuff in the office, but also um, for me personally, I really like Yuri and food. And there's a number of stories like that, and particularly from Yen Press. She loves to cook. She loves to eat, which absolutely one of the most outstanding pieces of media I've read in years. Uh, really, really good. And it's getting better and better and better. Can't wait for you all to read volume three. <laughs> I just reviewed that in Jap from the Japanese volume. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> Yuri and food are my, pretty much Yuri food and books are my three hobbies and martial arts. Mm -hmm. So if you could do a story, I don't know, about a Yuri librarian who does martial arts inside, which is creepily a little bit like me. So maybe that's <laughs> a little bit too much like a Mary Sue. Um, but no, bottom line is uh, I do I do like uh, I like smart chicks, chicks in glasses, chicks that beat the crap out of each other, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I remember at the end of your book, too, you mentioning wanting a Yuri about a girl biker gang. Oh, yeah. Would love to see that as well. There's a ongoing series. It's it started in the 80s in Japan and it went for a number of years. It went for 33 volumes of manga in the 80s. And then it had six side stories and two novels and a television show that went on for a couple of seasons and then a couple of movies and then it came back in the 90s and came back again in the 2000s and came back in, again it's back around it's called Hana no Asukugumi and I love this series with a obsessive love mm -hmm. and it's literally about the the complicated politics of the girl gangs of Tokyo and it's not Yuri at all <laughs> I'd love for them to throw one queer character into that mix would make my decade <laughs> 
I guess on a similar note, are there any Yuri titles that you're excited about in the upcoming year? Well, that's a very good question. We have a lot of anime coming out this year as Yuri anime, which is super exciting. The one that's already launched is The Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Young Lady. And I think I should get a cookie every time I get that out without it's a- It's incredible. Uh, <laughs> light novels just, for the win. Yeah. That is out right now. Uh, episode three launched today and very good. Um, the light novels are good. They start off okay. And then by- Volume three, it's glorious. And right now the anime is being treated with kindness. It's being done really well. And I have to say, I'm very, very pleased. There is an ongoing manga called Sasayaku Yoni Koi Utao, uh, which is translated into English as Whisper Me a Love Song. And it's run out from Kodansha. And that's getting an anime this year, which I'm super excited about because it is a really genuinely, honestly, innocent, sweet, darling school romance that is really just adorable. It's just adorable. And I can't dislike it. It's just charming in every way. Also, I'm in love with Villainous, which I have been obsessing about for, you know, five years now. That is being made into an anime. So that's pretty outstanding. So, I mean, even just just an anime, we've got a bunch of really great stuff. I'm reading so many things, though, that that I, I don't even know what I could say is coming out that would really be good. I would say the thing that really that I want to say most of all is that you are you folks are getting so much of the good stuff right now. Yeah. Like everything yeah. I say, this yes. should be translated like three weeks later, somebody picks it up. Yeah. And announces it. So you're just getting so much. And she loves to cook, she loves to eat, which was also a live action drama in Japan this winter, which was outstanding. I did not hear that it got a drama. Oh yeah, I reviewed it and of course I I raved. Um, it was on AHK. It has not gotten here yet. I hope it does. And they took the book and did it right. I've never seen such a good live action adaptation ever, ever in any for anything. It's just it, they did the book and they did the characters and they did all the things and they did the queerness and the food issues and everything just beautifully. Just because we're on the topic a little bit, Aaron and I, we recently watched Onisama A, which mm. it doesn't have an English dub or an official manga translation. Yeah, and right. we were just kind of finding ourselves curious to why that is. It didn't really seem like it had anything to do with the themes because we know of other retro right. manga that have similar themes that have been uh, right. translated. Is it just because there's so much coming out right now that some of these retro mangas don't get translated? Or I think it's a it's a matter of timing to mm. some extent. When Seven Seas licensed Claudine, which mm -hmm. is a, a classic Ikeda manga about um, Ryoko Ikeda and Ryoko Ikeda, he says her name that way in Western fashion, Ryoko Ikeda. Ryoko Ikeda did The Rose of Versailles, which is out in English also. Yeah. Um, and somebody Claudine. edited it on this what? podcast. Yeah, yes. you, were, you were the editor. <laughs> I was the editor of the manga. And let me tell you, one of the most proud days of my life is seeing that, those volumes coming through they're just beautiful they came out so beautiful they are yeah <laughs> aren't they outstanding so mm -hmm, many yes tears. so so claudine was licensed by seven seas and and they told me frankly it doesn't sell the, the classic stuff doesn't sell all that well mm. i mean people want it yeah but it's not going to get the new audience the themes are kind of old-fashioned the clothing's old-fashioned you know i thought mm -hmm. they handled claudine beautifully so mm -hmm. um i'm sorry i think more people should read claudine um, but yes, it's, it's I just read story. it. It was great. It's not a happy story, but no. it's a sympathetic and empathetic story. And I think for somebody writing about a uh, trans man in the 1970s, there's a lot of, of really 
of solid understanding and and, and empathy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, so there's, I think that's part of Onisama-e, <clears throat> but also the anime overshadows the manga considerably. Yes. Dear Brother, which is out from Discotech, a masterwork. It's a masterwork of really? Sanzaki. It's one of his absolute most masterwork pieces of animation direction, plus Ikeda's story. It is beautiful. It is melodramatic beyond mm-hmm. my ability to describe. It's super intense. And I actually, when I rewatched it the last time, I had to watch it like one episode at a time. Like I can't <laughs> take too much. It's just so much. Yeah. It's just so great. And I think in that case, on the whole, I would actually recommend the anime over the manga because yes. it's, it's more beautiful. I think it's it's more developed. The manga is only three volumes and yeah. it's a mm-hmm. bit hip for, it's very hip for its time, which reads oddly. Because, you know, when all the characters are wearing their bell bottoms and, and you know, hip clothes and it doesn't feel the, like the cool, the, the classic timeless coolness that you're supposed to get that they managed to capture in the anime. Mm-hmm. So I think it doesn't read as, as well. But you know what? I've been wrong before and maybe I'll be wrong this time. I'd love to see that translated. I would love to see it too. I know that the older manga doesn't sell as well, but for yeah. me, that is always where the heart has been for manga for me. Like... I, nothing really got me into manga more than when in 2013 Aaron um, sent me some of Hagiomoto's works, right. including um, Iguana Girl mm-hmm. and Hanshin, some of her one shots. Yes, and yes. from there, it was just like a deep spiral on manga for me. Like up until that point, I'd been kind of interested and it wasn't until I got into the older stuff that I really started getting really interested. Well, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with where people discover it the first time. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, there was a whole generation of people who discovered anime Mm -hmm. manga because of Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z on Cartoon Network, right? That was a whole generation of people who then went into finding these things and finding the manga and finding the the games and everything. And and the way they came into it was through visual media. And you get that again with people watching stuff on Crunchyroll now or or Hulu or or Netflix. So they're seeing it through visual media. That's kind of where their heart is. That's where they think it all is. And then there's me and I have a, a fetish for always going backwards. Like that's my my truest fetish because I am a researcher uh, professionally. I always want to know where did something start? Where did something come from? Where was the first time we saw this? Where was the first time it was written down in a way that lasted? Which is why my book begins with Yoshia Nabuko's uh, work. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't that she was the first one ever to write this stuff, but it was the one that sort of shaped the way we still see a lot of those tropes today. Um, and so I'm always looking backwards. And for me also, the manga is. Uh, where where I learned to love things is in in written media and drawn media. So so yes, I agree with you, Aaron. But for somebody who's I don't know fourteen comes home from school and Sailor Moon's on and holy right, whoa, what am I watching? <laughs> you know, which yeah. is actually how I became a fan of Sailor Moon because my wife was home mm-hmm. and um, at that there was that summer it was on and she said to me, you know, you should really come home and watch this cartoon. I think you'd really like it. <laughs> and we hadn't become otaku at that time. Of course, we knew about Japanimation. Uh, we'd grown up with, I watched Speed Racer when I was a small child on, on TV. Uh, and then we'd grown up with uh, Star Blazers. Her sister and, and I became really good uh, friends and fans over Star Blazers in the uh, 80s. So, I mean, we knew about it. So she's like, you should come home. And so I w- came home 
and it was a particularly gay episode, Cruise Blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I said to her at the time, this is this is something I repeat all the time, but we're watching two separate cartoons here. So you're watching something for prepubescent little girls, and I'm watching something that's got deep lesbian subtext. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we just it became like this gigantic hole that just ate my life. You know, this huge sinkhole of time mm-hmm. and money. And uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's how I got into Sailor Moon. And so I remember thinking to myself, I want to read the manga and it wasn't translated yet. Um, so I wanted to uh, read the manga in the original. Uh, so I started teaching myself Japanese. I remember the first page of Cardcaptor Sakura that I actually read, not guessed at, not decoded, but just knew what she said. And it was language, not a code and I like was at work I remember because I was walking doing a taking an afternoon walk at work I was outside and I'm like whoa I read this page it's like for eight-year-olds but I read it (laughs) and so yeah for me manga was the way I got more deeply into that thing because while I don't mind visual media I'll always be a written person well that's it do you remember what was happening on the page when yeah actually I remember exactly what it was the page was Sakura had just asked Yukito, I don't know, to something, something, right? And Yukito had said, you know, I'll see you at eight tomorrow or something like that. And she said, and one big thing, I'm so happy I could die. Oh, like a big splash page. And I thought, I understood this. I understood this like language. So yeah, mm-hmm. I do remember that. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love Yukito? I mean, after all. I know, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, if you're if you're a Ogata Megumi fan as I am, there's no there's no question that Yukito is right up there. <laughs> as a kid, I watched Cardcaptor Sakura or like Cardcaptors as it was mm, Cardcaptors, yeah. Americanized. Yes, I have a friend who still rants about that. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> years later, years later, she still rants about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I was I was a really big fan of um, Tomoyo and as we were older. and you know she wasn't they. There wasn't any hint that she liked girls in the um, adaptation that I was watching, but right. somehow I knew. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we had a good Yuri Dar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, she does. She comes off that way no matter what you do. Yeah, right. I have a I have a whole head canon about Tomoyo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like her ongoing life story. I have this whole thing in my head that where mm-hmm. it goes on from there. So nice. one day I'll do the I'll have to write the like the continuing adventures of Tomoyo and change like one word, <laughs> one one letter in her name, like. which of course is exactly what happened with um uh strawberry panic right they took tomoyo and they made her into tomoyo and they did that with every character that changed like one thing about them but it was clearly like mizuki was yoko and like everybody was like somebody so specific from another anime that you could literally go yep her yep her yep her (laughs) i've been putting off watching strawberry panic that was that was a huge one and i gotta say i hated a lot when it first came out the I encountered it first, again, before most people on this continent, I encountered it in a series of short stories from G's Magazine. G's Magazine is a kind of creepy dude gaming magazine, a lot of um, shoujo games, a lot of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And it was a series of these shorts, and they were like really, really hyper-infantilized girl Mm, drawings about coupling, Yuri coupling. And people were screaming about Yuri coupling, so I was reading them, and I, I was really skeezed by them, honestly. So when the manga came out, uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm sorry, when the anime came out, I didn't really much care for the way it was handled originally in the, in the manga as well, because they came out mostly simultaneously uh, in Japan. Um, but then what happened was the anime was 
the dumbest smart thing I've ever seen, or maybe the smartest dumb thing I've ever, I guess the smartest dumb thing I've ever seen. <laughs> what they did was they stole from everywhere, everywhere, yeah. every single series that had ever existed in the history of the universe. They took something. And at the time we was running the Eurycon mailing list on Yahoo groups, which is really dated now. And it was really hip and cool at the time. And we were actually doing a stolen meme report of the week. <laughs> Because so many of these series that were being referenced were so old comparatively and had mm -hmm. never gotten over here. And many of them have not, like Himitsu no Kaidan, still not over here. We were talking about like, oh, this is from here, this is from here. And, and people would chime in and, and it would to get people to understand that this was not just, this was not brilliant. It was brilliantly stolen. Like it was a brilliant piece of songfic or fanfic where you're taking pieces from other places and slapping mm -hmm. them in. But it was really well done because they created something new. And then the anime did something incredible. It actually got dumber, smarter. <laughs> so you have the 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 infamously genius scene of about global warming, which uh, if you haven't seen, I'm not going to tell you. But all right, so just <laughs> I'm, 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 when you get there, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Um, it, it's an amazing piece of dialogue. That's all I'm going to tell you. And then it just gets it just keeps stealing stuff, and then. It has an entire episode where she's basically the plot of Carmen when they're doing Carmen as the school play. But they basically what? are doing Carmen and then doing Carmen. It's honestly was really smart. It was so well executed. So the first, the beginning is bad because Nagisa's boring, but once you stop paying attention to her, the story's great. And so as the anime goes on, it gets complicated and gets really sort of a little dark. And, and the anime really starts to become its own thing. And after I had reviewed the anime, I'm reviewing the manga, I'm reviewing the stories, and over and over and over, after 10 years of doing that, um, I finally came to a place where I could respect it. Even though I'd come from a place where those initial stories were really skeezy and really yeah, put yeah. me off the whole thing. But by the end, I was like, you know, I think I say in my in the essay that I quote in my book, something about it, it's it's stones that have been tumbled smooth and washed clean by the river of time, you know? It's like, it yeah. just goes on and on. And after a while, I was like, you know, I don't hate this series anymore. I kind of like it. So it it's one of, one of the key series that I actually went from really deeply, strongly disliking the initial media to actually coming around to quite liking it. That's incredible. I actually... <laughs> The I know very, very little about Strawberry Panic. Like at the time when I was watching a lot of anime music videos, that was like one of the ones that would always come up. And sure. I sure. I feel like I've there's like a wealth of information that I've missed about this. <laughs> it's it's it was really a thing where people would be like, This is the most beautiful romance. And I'm like, that was Withering Heights. You literally just watched a <laughs> scene from Withering Heights. <laughs> you know, it's it was so well done though, and a lot of the younger audience who just mm -hmm. didn't put those together. Now also I have to say, in my real world life, I was a comparative literature major. Uh, in my undergrad days. So it is literally second nature to me to go, oh that's that. Oh, that's from there. Oh, that's that that thing, you know. And and also to do the research to be like, why is Other Side Picnic called Other Side Picnic? Oh, there's a Russian novel that it's based yep. on that it references, like yeah. things like that. That the I don't want to say that the average reader, but like you you don't have to. You don't have to know that. Nobody needs to know those things to enjoy those things. And and I would never ever ever say to somebody, well, you need to know that to really understand. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody needs to do that. Do you enjoy it? Rock on.
Yeah. I feel like Other Side Picnic is a really good example of that, too, because very little to do overall other than the world building. At least in the anime. We haven't, neither of us have read the light novels, but we did watch the anime for the podcast. I want to say, the the anime was okay. I think they really missed their chance to be amazing on the anime. It was okay. Mm -hmm. The light, light novels are outstanding. When you get to the third novel... Something happens in the third novel that I actually experienced oh. in the place that it happened. So I think I know what the author was referring to. I think I've been in that place and that thing actually happened. And it was really devastatingly scary. That is scary. <laughs> it's the most scared I've ever been in my entire life. Um, so uh, I so I read that novel and I had to put it down and like, you know, breathe a bit, you know. And so... Uh, I really think they're very, very good. The, the light novels are, are really quite excellent. And they're really weird and, and interestingly weird. Which, and I which, really appreciate that because good writing is interesting, you know? Yeah. So was it like a supernatural experience that you had? Or I hope so. Okay. Oh. If it wasn't, then it's terrifying. Oh. That way. Oh, man. So, I don't want to spoil anything in the book, but I met somebody who didn't belong on this this world. Like, did not belong on this side of the whatever we were on. So it, was, oh. it was not okay. It was not okay at all. I'm laughing now, but it was bad. So, Erica, have the books been translated into English and released officially? Yeah, J Novel Club has them. Okay, okay. awesome. Yes, wow. so all of them are out. And eight just came out in Japan. Can't wait to get it. It'll come out, I guess, probably next spring or summer. Summer, awesome. maybe June. So, um, yeah, J Novel Club is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, it would be interesting to dive into that because Aaron and I watched the anime for the podcast and mm. didn't really enjoy it very much. It was um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was fine. Yeah. But the, I think it was four people who'd already read the book so they could go, oh, I don't think they got the visual. Like, I felt like they really missed the visuality of Other Side was completely subsumed into sort of like really banal, like, oh, it's a black swirly thing or it's yeah. a, a scary face. But not even, they didn't even do scary face. It was like just a big roaring monster. I'm like, that wasn't how, it was much more complicated. So I think mm-hmm. I think they lost a lot of the nuance. The reason that the scary bits are scary is because they don't make sense in Other Side Pick. Mm-hmm. Because it's a sci-fi is, horror, right? It yeah. is. And, a, and the anime really just comes off as just like a sci-fi isekai comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah the tone, the, it was, like the whole part with the military, we thought was totally a little funny. It yeah. was. Well, there are some funny bits. I mean, it is funny. There yeah. are funny bits in it, but it really they went for for uh, horror com- comedy horror. Yeah. yeah, and instead of I think they couldn't do the because the whole point of the novels is that the there's a disconnect between whatever the other world is doing and what Mm -hmm. we perceive and that disconnect makes us very scared yeah and the terror that the people are experiencing is dangerous Mm -hmm. that disconnect is dangerous in and of itself and so there's this pervasive sense of i can't explain this and it isn't anything but that not not being anything is so terrifying that i might go mad and Mm -hmm. that's what makes that's the horror part of yeah which is, yeah. it's, so I definitely, if you're interested in that, I highly recommend, it's not gross. There, well, there's a little bit gross, but like the gross is never, it's not like guru, you know, it's not like just gross shit mm-hmm. for gross shit's sake. I think it's a really, really good um, novel series. All right. I guess actually to shift focus a little bit, uh, sure. we'd love to talk about Yurikon. <laughs> yeah. 
So one of the things that Aaron and I had been talking about when Aaron initially brought up your book was Yurikan and that also led us to talking about Yaoi Khan. In just kind of like looking up Yaoi Khan, there's not that much we could find on it. Um, really? yeah, um, well, I guess specifically about the demographics, because mm -hmm. that's kind of what we were talking about of like, okay, so who was going? Because mm -hmm. from our understanding, especially right now, I think of a large population of people who read Yaoi manga are themselves queer, like I would safely say like probably over 50% at least. In the U.S. In the U.S. And at least from what we've personally observed. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's biased as well by the yeah. fact that we're also gay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So let me let me start with, let's start with the history. Um, mm -hmm. When Yaoi Khan started, by and large, the audience of what we'll now refer to as boys love because that's what's called Japan. Mm -hmm. That's what I tend to refer to as BL or boys love. Yeah. When BL really hit American shores, the large proportion of the readership was straight women, mm -hmm. mostly adult women, many of them married. This is actually true for Japan at the time too. That was straight married women who were the, the major consumers of BL um, because it was as Mizuguchi Akiko said, it's like a shared sexual space that has no no overtones of homosexuality for the women. Yeah. So the, the story Mizuguchi-san said is that if you were a woman sitting on a train in Tokyo reading a magazine and it was an adult manga with uh, heterosexual sex, the men around you would assume you're easy. And if yeah. it was female, female sex, um, the men around you would assume you were queer. And... Mm -hmm. If it was two men, they would just ignore it. It was like they put on head cubicles and they couldn't see it. Yeah, and so it that makes a sense. Safe, public, shared sexual space for straight, often married um, adult mm -hmm. women. Um, and so that was at first. And then you had a lot of, and I'll be blunt, a lot of sexually mature people, and that's of all ages and all genders and sexualities who were into it because it was a a a safe space to explore queerness and a safe place to explore gender. It was a safe place mm -hmm. to explore one's own self. Um, so that was where you got the kind of, you know, Yahweh versus Yuri mm -hmm. discourse, yeah. <laughs> which I always refuse to be part of. Yes. Uh, I would get mm -hmm. requests for articles and I'd be like, oh. no, there's no such thing. This is yes. not a versus. We can all enjoy all of these things simultaneously. Yes. Um, Beale also has a lot of very specific tropes that were very popular in the 90s specifically because, again, yeah. of the audience, the audience being mostly straight married women in Japan, which meant that they were on the one side of a, a gender uh, divide. Mm -hmm. And so to some extent, um, what they wanted to see was men being uh, sexually manipulated or harassed. And so that, that men were experiencing even vicariously what they themselves experienced on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. And so there was a lot of that. And there's a lot of what is euphemistically referred to as non-consensual, uh, but it's just rape. And yeah. there was a lot, of, a lot of incest and um, that stuff never appealed to me at all. So I never got into it. Plus, personally, I am uninterested in men or men's bodies. And I don't mean that in a my friends are pretty much split evenly. I've got tons of great uh, male friends, but I'm not interested in, in male protagonists so yeah. much. So I wanted to see female protagonists. So I never really got into BL and didn't at that time was already out on my own. Like I was pretty comfortable with myself and didn't need to 
subsume my sexuality into a male, mask it into a male character, which mm -hmm. a lot of women did and totally yeah. fine. Yeah, I think that was a big appeal to me reading Yaoi when I was young. Yeah. My introduction into Yuri was Yuri by male authors. Mm -hmm. And so to often have like an ending where it was like, oh, and then she went off and got a husband or mm -hmm. like they realized that they didn't actually like each other. And that like really turned me off to Yuri for a, a long time until Aaron was actually was like, oh, wait, there's a whole bunch of really good Yuri out there. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> what happened was I was involved with um, a convention that was for girls uh, animation comics and i had mm -hmm. said for the next year i said hey you know why don't we add more because there was all this bl stuff there mm -hmm. <clears throat> i said why don't we add some of the the girl girl stuff the wonder woman stuff and i was told at the time um you're in a minority and yeah. i said okay that's fine i said hey i'm in a minority that's 20 percent of your organizing committee yeah um, but that's okay I'm not the kind of person who has that argument. I'm like, I'm not going to go, but, but I just went, okay. And I, and they were like, you should do your own thing. And I did. So yeah. we had been doing on our mailing list, the group was originally called Ani Lesbocon. So mm -hmm. this was based on a, uh, a fanfic, an Utena fanfic by Dreiser. Uh, it was called Scenes from an Elevator. You can still find it online, highly recommended. Um, and in the course of the story, the animated lesbian convention was formed by Juri and Haruka. And so they create a, a convention because she and I had been, and she had been talking about lots of, with a lot of other people that the animated, animated lesbians are so much cooler than every other character. And up in the, into the nineties, they frequently were, you know, you didn't have people who weren't amazingly cool. Like it was the Harukan juries, right? Um, they walk on the scene and everybody stops and you're like, that's, uh -huh, a, that's yeah. a lesbian character. They're so yeah. cool. <laughs> so I jokingly created this group, Anna Lesbocon, and um, created a website. And I wasn't going to do anything with it. I was just like, we had the mailing list and we used to joke around. I, I do contests sometimes and, um, you know, you get a book or something, whatever. And then Yahoo Groups trashed all the queer groups on Yahoo Groups. They just killed them oh, all no. in 2001. So in 2001, I rebirthed the group as YuriCon because at the, by that point I had encountered the term Yuri and I understood its history and its relationship to lesbians in Japan. And I wanted to kind of reconnect us there. So I started the YuriCon group, which was this. So everything had been trashed. We did, we lost everything from Analyzmacon. So, and, and at this point, YuriCon is also gone because Yahoo groups, but but what happened was at the time I, I was like, okay, whatever. And we were having our, we were having conversations and somebody uh, online said, why don't we do a real event? And so a bunch of us got together and we decided to do a real event. Um, and so I picked, cause I'm not an idiot. I picked somewhere within driving distance of my house because, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to try to build an event somewhere else. And um, so in June, 2023, sorry, June 2003. <laughs> I can never get dates. So I always get the year wrong. 2003. No. <laughs> um, we ran the first ever Yuri three-day Yuri event. It was not the first mm -hmm. ever Yuri event. There wasn't a named event in Japan the April before that I don't know the name of and I have no records of. I just know that when I was there for 2005 YuriCon event, people in Japan said, no, no, April 2003, there was another event. So I know we weren't the first, but we were the first three-day. Hats off to that other one because good on you. Um, so we ran this event and our guest, uh, our guests of honor were Rika Takashima 
and um, Tadano Eriko, both of whom were um, mangaka who did manga that I had published as part of ALC Publishing. So Rika Takanji and Works. Works is still available and still on the Yurikon store. Still have some of it left here. But it was amazing. It was exhausting. It was a horrible experience. Uh, <laughs> people kept saying to me, are you okay? That's the whole weekend is everyone going, are you okay? And I'm coming, no, I haven't slept in like five months. But I had a great time and it was really extraordinary. And then we did another event in 2005 in Tokyo. Rika and I co-chaired an event there. And then 2007, we actually did two events. Um, we did a one-day Yurisai event, um, which was just a Yuri festival here again in New Jersey. And then we did a, another event, ShoujoCon, which was wrapping up um, their affairs. And, and YuriCon partnered for one last three-day event called Ona. And Ona was a celebration of media buying for women, women and girls, mm -hmm. um, which as far as I know, no one else has ever done anything like that. And that was an, an extraordinary event. That was lovely. And because I had a coach here, I actually got some sleep. So yay. Thank you, Paula. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was great. So, so YuriCon ultimately, so we did what, four events in, in a few years. Mm -hmm. Then we had a global recession, and I, people don't even remember, but 2007 was a global recession, folks. No, I remember. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and, and it was, just became too hard to do anything. Uh, manga companies were going out of business. Anime companies were going out of business. It just became too hard to do anything. And you would have thought that hotels would have been like, yes, anything. But no, they went the other way around. They were like, we only want weddings because all they wanted was people who would eat and drink because that's mm, yeah. where they make their money. They don't make their money anywhere yeah. else. And we couldn't really do that. So that nobody wanted us. And I just was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. And I didn't have a lot of return on investment emotionally for myself. Yeah. People at that time wanted to be entertained. And I have always felt that when you go to a convention, it is your job to be entertaining. <laughs> and not to sit there and go, make me feel something. Like, that's not my job as a, like, we have yeah. panels and we have things, but you have to go to them and, and participate yeah. and not sit mm -hmm. in the lobby and watch anime music videos all the time. And, and I found that when people go to uh, conventions at the time, I was getting a lot more people just kind of, eh, I just want, you know, I want you to make me happy. And I'm like, mm -hmm. so actually for Ona, I actually said it is on you to be entertaining. Like you're coming here, we want you to be on the panels and contribute to stuff, play the games, you know, don't just show up and expect to buy stuff and be entertained. I feel like the mindset for a lot of people is that it's just vacation time too, which oh, yeah. is fair. But then there are also a lot of people for whom it's not vacation time, but it's a time to get engaged in your, in your hobbies family. and your interests. And yeah, right. exactly. I think yeah. I think there's a, a valid point for making particularly large general conventions. Um, yeah, the place where you meet up with your friends, rock mm -hmm. on. If if you know ASEN or Otakon or Anime Anime Expo or something is where you go, and there's 150,000 other people, right? So if that's where yeah. you go, you wander around the dealer's room a couple of times, and and then really you just go out to dinner or whatever. That's cool. But if you're coming to a small con, people put a lot of love and sweat and tears, and I don't mean mine. I mean mm -hmm. just any smaller event. They worked really hard to get panels of interest and people that might interest you and, and vendors there selling stuff you want. Don't walk up to a table. I mean, this is not a thing we did so much in 2003, but in 2023, you know, that whole walk up table, I can get this cheaper online. Like, yeah, um, I doubt your listeners are that kind of person, but yeah, it, it can be disheartening when somebody rifle takes your book and bends it all the way back and goes, oh, thanks and puts it down. And now it's ruined and I can't sell it. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm so you know? sorry. 
it's okay. Oh and and because it was never my job, I would let them have it. Because <laughs> it was also anger therapy for me. I'm like, what the fuck did you just do? Yeah. You yeah. just completely ruined my book. It's always like, fine, I'll bite. I'm like, that's not the point. The point is don't treat other stuff like people's stuff like that. She was so like, what? I'm like, but oh my God. don't be selfish. Okay. So anyway, so 20 years have gone by. And um, I stopped doing events because I enjoy making events, but I did not enjoy being the one making events that I couldn't get people to engage with. Like, like, or I didn't feel mm-hmm. enough that they were inter- being entertainment for me, I guess is what it comes down to. Yeah. So um, I started going to other events instead, because if Anime Boston wants to invite me as a guest, mm-hmm. I'm going to go as a guest. If, uh, you know, if, if um, Fujoshi Khan last year invited me to speak, I will go to Fujoshi Khan. Like, that's fine. You know, I'm glad to talk at other people's events. I get to have a bit of a vacation um, yes. and I get to engage with the new audience, which is like win win for me. Uh, so I really did want to do something to celebrate 20 years and. 2023 is still a pandemic year. Uh, there was no way with inflation and the pandemic that travel or hotels or any of the things that used to make cons make sense made sense. And so I decided this year that what we're going to do is a series of all virtual panels, discussions and interviews. And so I'm going to, I've opened this up and there is a form on Yurikon and it's, it's posted also on Okazu. And I'm glad to share it anywhere we can put on the links. If you, people in the audience, have something you would like to talk about, and it doesn't matter if it's a series that was really important to you or even a character or a set of characters, you really found the, I don't know, Chris Christopher in Battle uh, Athletes Victory really just blew you away because... You know, mm-hmm. she was really cool and 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 goofy and and also athletic or something. It doesn't matter to me what the topic is, um, and also if it's larger, larger queer topics, the queer manga that impressed you, mm-hmm. or uh, we're going to have. I'm I'm really hoping this will work out. We're going to do trans representation. We have a a panel oh, set up for that. I'm really excited about trans representation in Yuri, um, and they're going to talk about it in positive and negative. You know, let's talk mm-hmm. about it for real. And I'm running a panel. Uh, I'm really excited about this. We're going to talk to some other folks who do journalism, anime, manga journalism, about about beyond whole the DEI, beyond the diversity inclusion thing. You know, like how do we really make these websites truly diverse and inclusive? And and I've invited a bunch of people who really do get a, a fairly wide, diverse group of people. And how we get different voices onto news sources mm-hmm. and out there into the world. And what, what are we not doing enough of? And, and how can we get past the, you know, it's a policy that we're inclusive. Like, that's not enough. You need to have a, pro- a yeah. process as well as a policy. Um, so things like that. Um, if you have larger issues you want to talk about, if you have small issues you want to talk about, if you want to, uh, you know, just talk about Haruka Machiru for 45 minutes, we yeah. can make space <laughs> for that. And I'm okay with that. Because the point is that the internet is, is near infinite. And so we can record a video of you and people you've invited or yourself if you want to do a presentation. We have an exciting presentation of one of the folks that I'm friendly with is a pastor and he uses Yuri in his sermons. And he's going really? to do a presentation about that. Yuri Church. Oh my right? gosh. That's incredible. And, uh, I'm really excited about it. Like that's something you would never have thought of, right? And yeah, so I'm super never. excited about that one. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm really, really open to what you want to do. So so panels, presentations, interviews, discussions. If the two of you wanted to come on and talk about doing a Yuri podcast, um, that'd be great. 
if you know a bunch of other Yuri podcasts, actually, I do know a couple other people who are doing a Yuri podcast. Um, maybe Kit and Sarah might join you. So we could do something, you know? I, I actually have two friends who identify as lesbians who host a Yu-Gi-Oh! media podcast where they That's just awesome. discuss Yu-Gi-Oh! I'll check in with them, too. To That'd see be awesome. Interested. That'd yeah. be amazing. Yeah. My wife is a huge Yu-Gi-Oh! fan. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! itself is not Yuri, right? And then you said right. There's before, very few women. That's okay in because Yuri. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the original definition of of Yuri on the YuriCon mm-hmm. website is any media that shows um, lesbian characters or relationships or women who have sexual desire or romantic desire for one another mm-hmm. or even intense emotional connection because mm-hmm. it's just the hugest, biggest possible definition and that's how i feel i have always felt about yuri khan like did you see yuri there do you have a yuri gaze a gaze gaze um (laughs) do you have a way of reading something that you go oh yeah they're totally gay even though there's nothing there like you could talk about that and that's fine so we have an infinite we have youtube we have an infinite space for that and so i i highly i invite you both and also any of your listeners who would like to do something for Eurecon 2003 because it will be in that sense more global and larger than any of the events i could ever physically run and it's going to go all year long so i'm already booking the things i'm doing into march now and so i'm doing the very first discussion will be recorded at the end of this month and um, that's a, a discussion with Sarah Frederick. And we're going to talk about our, the grandmother of Yuri, Yoshia Nabuko. I figure she's always the right place to start. And then we'll move on from there. Wow. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah and it's going to be on YouTube. So you could, nobody could say, oh, well, I would have gone, but it isn't the right time. You know, like, because that's the other <laughs> thing be about events, right? Everybody it. tells yep. you you're going to come and then they never, oh, well, I couldn't get off time off. That's all right. I only told you eight months in advance. I know you couldn't do that. So, so <laughs> yeah. that's what we're doing. That sounds wonderful. And I'm so excited to see the content that's going to come out of that. Kind of on a, a similar note, Aaron and I were curious about how you feel about Eurocentric spaces, like specifically online, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, also potentially in person, because right now, you know, social media is on the rise. And one thing that I do miss is like kind of curated blogs or things like that, as opposed to just kind of like, you know, going into the URI tag and trying to find somebody to have a conversation with. Sure. Um, sure. And, and also right now with Twitter potentially going under, <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about like getting connected with other URI fans in these so, days? Back in the day when I was yeah. doing this, I was doing that, doing mm-hmm. searching, literally finding blogs and following them. And that's why right. Okaza started because it was a curated space, you know, curated uh, news feed, basically um, content feed because no one else was doing that at the time. And, right. and uh, I mean, that was long enough ago, it was 2000. So yeah, nobody was doing it at the time. Um, so I, I think there's value in people who have an obsessive focus yeah. <laughs> <Honestly> about myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think there's value in that. Um, but I also think there's value in the other thing. And so one of the things that I've always done is I sort of set up a space somewhere in, in a new platform originally it was on Yahoo groups and then it was on uh, Facebook and then it was on, and I keep all the media going until it dies. So like we have right now for Yurikon, we have uh, Patreon and there's, you can converse there, but Patreon is really one to many. I think it's not really a community. There's a community space there and there's the same on YouTube, but also we have our own discord. Uh, We have a, a Okazu discord and that is a space where you can come on and pretty much talk about anything that you want within reason. Of course, I do have of some course. occasional 
uh, rules, and there are rules up at the top. We we talk about we'll talk about food endlessly. It's not Yuri, but we're Yuri, so food is is Yuri. Um, <laughs> so so I think there's value in both those things, and there's still value. Like I just on the assumption that Twitter would go away, which it has not, sadly. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I, know. I went to praying Mast- for its I, demise. Yeah, right. <laughs> I created a Mastodon mm-hmm. instance uh, space. I didn't create an instance. I created an account on Mastodon. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear. And um, and I started doing what I always do, which is I started going back to using hashtags and using words and started following. And what I always have done since day one is I follow somebody that I respect or am interested in their content. And then I look to see who they follow. Mm-hmm. And I start expanding out mm-hmm. from there. And it has allowed me to reconnect with some people who I had lost connection with but it also allowed me to reconnect with somebody that i didn't know i had lost connection with i was talking to someone a japanese um yuri fan on mastodon and i mentioned something about having sold comics at komiket many years ago and they said yes i know i sat next to you <laughs> i was like i had no idea that was you i mean how could <laughs> you, you know yeah i was like wow that's amazing i'm so glad that we're speaking again like we had separated out of the noise, you know, and the noise, it's so easy. So it's, there's value in both things, you know, there's value mm-hmm. in all of it. <clears throat> the um, curated spaces allow you to make friends. Mm-hmm. I love very much as my discord, as I'm not on my discord right now, it's on, but I'm not on it. And I know that they're probably chatting because, because episode three of Maggie Revo came out tonight. And so they're probably talking about it. And when I come mm-hmm. on, I'm always so excited when they're having conversations that have nothing to do with me and I didn't have to, you know, say, hey, everybody, what are we reading today? You know, or something like that, um, because it's a because it's a community. Um, I also yeah. think there's value in in guided conversation spaces where I say, so everybody, what do you think about whatever? So like on my Patreon, I'll be like, so here's what I'm thinking of. What do we think of? Here's here's a poll. Do we like it? One, two, three, you know, and so people can feel like they've engaged without having to commit to working at it because there's value in that too, where somebody's hearing what your opinion is, but not making you actually verbalize it. Please, I have so much going on, you know. So I feel like the more I can do, it's why I have the I have my YouTube um, channel now too, so that I could give out my opinion and people can just watch me and not have to watch me type. I type. I am the worst typist. So every time you watch me, if I'm, you're on my Discord or you're, you're reading stuff from me, you're like, my God, she's incoherent. How does anybody listen to this woman? I'm actually a really, really good speaker and I'm a really good writer, but I'm a really shitty typist. So I think there's value in trying to get people where they are too. Mm-hmm. And my role as a social media person since back in the day is find people where they are and then go to them and talk about what they want to talk about. And you know, when you go to something like the ANN community, right, they're talking about what's important to them. And some of it may not be your stuff. And you can always go ahead and start a conversation should you want to. And if nobody joins you, you know, you can't really take offense at that. But if you go, if you want somewhere where you can go, like, I just want to talk about Yuri. So that was how we started the Yuri Khan mailing list. I was on Usenet. And we were on all the um, rec arts series, Shamrock Arts, Utena, Rec Arts, uh, Sailor Moon. Oh, sorry, the fan, sorry, the fan hierarchy. So it was uh, the, you know, fan hierarchy of, of the anime thing. So whatever series, Utena or Salomon or whatever. But we would talk about something in anime, Rec Arts, we were on Rec Arts anime, and people would say, you know, oh, I really like these 
the, the outer senshi and people going, eh, you know, ew, ew, Yuri, you know, and you'd be like, I don't really want to deal with you. So alt fan Sailor Moon was like, okay, we could talk about Sailor Moon. It's away from the, the larger. But even then you get people who are like, I only want to talk about, you know, Chibiusa because she reminds me of my daughter. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, that was me making gagging noises. for a little <laughs> So, so at that time, I'm like, okay, we need to have a space where we can talk about Yuri and not have someone try to sexualize it, not have so unless we won't feel like it, because um, <laughs> there's always that, and that's that's a thing you ride too, where it's like we can talk about how hot somebody is, but when you start getting people who like want to share boob pictures, it's like well, that's cool if that's what you're into, but I don't want that on my feed. That's not what I'm into. So um, we do have a channel specifically on the Yurikon, <laughs> on the Okazu Discord for sharing pictures. So it doesn't choke out conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot chat. of sense. Because um, I remember on the Yurikon mailing list, people were like, can I share pictures? And I'm like, sure. And the next thing you, know, you get like 5,000 downloads from Donburu. And you're like, oh my God, oh. you know? <laughs> Whew, okay. We didn't need some of those things I did not need to see. And, um, you know, and so then you have to make rules. Well, nothing that's 18 plus or, you know, if the rule mm -hmm. on the Discord is if you think it's going to be a little too much, just run it by me and I'll go, okay, yes, no. So far, we haven't had anything that maybe go, I'm not prudish, but also there's limits to what I think erotic, like my, I have very clear ideas of what is erotic and what is like just porn. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, yeah, and there's there's spaces for that. That there's spaces for that, yeah. and I welcome you to do that, and you know, create your own. That's fine. So I mean, you know, it's everything's subjective, and everybody wants what they want, and it's mm -hmm. so hard. So I try to do a little bit of everything. So if you want to watch videos, I've got videos. If you'd rather, you know, chat with me on Twitter, Mastodon, I'm there. I share all uh, on Facebook. I've got a, a group there. So if you just want the news dump, you just get the reviews and the news and very little you know conversation other than woo yay like you know i've been running this long enough that i understand that asking people for more than just a like is actually a real ask we are not just acculturated it's actually the reason likes work is because it's easy but also that's what we really wanted most of the time is to go thumbs up good job and and it is asking a lot not everybody is a talker or a typist not everybody mm -hmm. is a video person some people do draw but some people just want to be fed entertainment a lot of people in the anime and manga fandoms really just want to be entertained they don't want to play a game they don't want to write a story they don't want to sing a song they just want to watch something yeah and so i feel like there's value in all those things and i i do i i'm very lucky to have both the time and the money to be able to try to fill out those spaces but um and I say this in every interview, but I'm going to make this clear here. If you want something, you don't see that something out there, make it. Don't mm -hmm. wait for somebody else to do it. You folks saw a need, you created a podcast. Yeah. That's admirable mm -hmm. to me for two reasons. One, you created the space you wanted. By doing so, you proved that it could happen. It could be real. It could be, it could be a thing. Every time you ideate something and create it, you, you change the world. And then... It's admirable to me because it takes a lot of effort to do a thing and to continue to do a thing and to commit yeah. to a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's it's admirable of you both to be able to bring this. So, you know, I was talking with Sean Gaffney, who's a very dear friend of mine. He has a blog called uh, Case Suitable for Treatment. He is the world's greatest reader of light novels. He does like, I'm not kidding, like a light novel a day and he reviews them right away. Wow. He reviews a billion light novels. If you are interested in light novels, 
uh, urine, not everything, just everything, all the isekai, everything. Go to his blog, A Case Suitable for Treatment on Manga. Um, he is the king of light novels. And we were at sharing a room at uh, Anime NYC, and he was trying to get a, re a review out one night. And I said, it's okay, you can take a day off. He's like, no, but I feel like I really have to do it. And I'm like, I don't know anything how that feels. Like, I only do six things a week. Like, I get it, you know? You feel like you have to get it done. And to some mm -hmm. extent you do because your audience wants it, but really it's a lot more about how you live you. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a commitment you made to yourself. And it, at least for myself, if I let it slip too long, I start to get comfortable. I could just do three reviews a week. I don't want to do three reviews a week. I want to be able to do six reviews, well, four to five reviews a week in a news report. Yeah, um, that's so funny. Erin and I, we went a whole year without taking a week off from doing the podcast. Normally like, you know, illness, one of us is moving something, you know, we skip an episode, then come back. Sure. And then um, just before we put out our last episode on Onisama-e, we needed to take a break. And when we got back into it, I was like, wait, how do we do this again? Like, <laughs> yeah. do I, do I really want to be doing this? And then as soon as I sat down at the computer, it all came back and I was like, right, oh yeah, of course. like, I'm so glad that I'm doing this. Yeah. yeah. And it feels good. It feels like coming home mm -hmm. a little yeah. bit. Um, and it feels like, you know, you're doing, you're getting to be friends. It's fun. You, you know, my wife and I sing this song about from Shira and the Princesses of Power. Like, it's fun to be friends with friends. We sing that constantly, right? But that's a little bit what we're doing here, right? It's fun to be friends with friends. When someone mm -hmm. makes a comment, I just did a review of the second set, the Outer Senshi Soda flavors uh, on Ocean Bomb. I've read like, those, loved it, saw the, saw them at the store just like a couple days later and was like, actually, now I know I don't need to try these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do recommend the Haruka Mishiro ones though. I do. I do have to say pineapple. I did not see pretty, that one there. No, pineapple, pineapple was pretty good. Cute. It, the trick was to pair it with the right food. So I mm -hmm. had Sailor Mars, which was strawberry with a cheeseburger that was not the right choice. <laughs> I should have had it with ice cream or something, but I didn't. So the larger picture is at that point, you know, one of the folks on the Discord and one of our commenters and reviewers, Christian, made me a little picture. So I added that. And that's that's what I mean when it's fun to be friends with friends. So he had seen a need where it was like Chibiusa, the picture of her with the gun to Usagi's head, and he wrote, drink the soda. That fit <laughs> that whole series so beautifully. And this is what I mean, right? I know mm -hmm. someone out there read it. I know someone out there thought about it and someone had a reaction and then he shared something with me that I could then share with everybody. And that's what I mean when I'm saying it's fun to be friends with friends. Mm -hmm. um, in a sense, we're doing it. We're doing friendship uh, virtually. But when people tell you it's not real friendship, they're just wrong. Almost all my friends, all but like two of my closest friends I met online. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of the people who I still think of my closest friends were Yuri Khan's staff. And I joke that I have slept in the same room with almost all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I've slept with all of my staff because we shared rooms in a million different events. And and uh, and we had a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of fun as a result. So. so to some extent, you're creating something new in a world that that has both space for it and also makes it kind of hard. And also you're committing to it. And also you're just having a lot of fun and, and sharing it with people, other people so they can have fun with it, which is an amazing, wonderful thing. Yeah. Kind of on that note, and, and also to circle back, um, I wasn't bringing up YaoiCon for no reason. Uh, um, <laughs> when Aaron and I were looking into it, uh, we found a note from the public relations chair from 2003 saying that uh, the people who come are predominantly straight women. And then we also get 
gays and straight guys. Yep. And Aaron and I found it just like really telling of how at the time, like uh, other identities, like bisexual, non-binary, even like lesbians. Invisible. Yeah, totally yeah. invisible. Invisible. So I guess with that in mind, like what was it like co-chairing Yurikan and stepping out of the online community and kind of like into a, a spotlight where you are invisible in some ways. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a really good question. So I, I will never cast aspersions on Yurikan. They did something really, really important, but they did not do it the way I would have done it. Mm, yeah, they definitely had a very straight, straight mentality. It was very, um, from my understanding of it, because I did not ever go. Um, and I thought about it every year. Every year, I actually had a fight with myself. Should I go and sell? Because there's a lot of people there who would like Yuri too. And I'd be like, but I don't want to be in the, that environment. And it's again, because I'm not interested in BL, not because of any other reason. Right. Um, but they did have a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Bachelorette party mentality about some of the stuff. And there were some issues from gay men who had attended. Who had, um, there are still oh. some reports out there. If you look out um, online, you'll still see some of them. People who, who went there and felt exploited or fetishized. Yeah. Um, and some of them embraced it and some of them did not. And, then it's, and both of those things are completely valid. And in no way am I criticizing. This is the way they ran it. And that was for the way that they felt it worked. And they ran it for a number of years very, very successfully until their chair basically had been done. She was done. And I completely uh, sympathize with that. So I know um, Digital Manga Publishing, they picked up Yaoi-Con. They ran it as a DMP event, basically, you know, and, and that was also another way of thinking about it. And that was fine. What I wanted for Yuri-Con was something vastly different. I did not want it to be sexualized while i while i'm not opposed to people i I'm not a big fan of people making out in public in front of me but they're welcome to make out in public i just didn't want that to be the thing that yuri khan was you know and, it wasn't yeah wasn't and lesbian I, strip club if people aren't familiar like the number one thing with yaoi khan was at least from the people who I followed who attended, is they would go as their favorite character yes. and then find other cosplayers to make out with and take yes. photos of. And yes. I'm sure other stuff happened, but yes. that was the majority of stuff you would see online afterwards. Yes. And and it always fascinated me because the the again, please, please understand, listeners, I am not in any way casting aspersions, but that's what I mean about sexual immaturity. A lot of them were yeah. Or look at me, I'd say, oh, you know, that that's you had sex, that's lesbian sex. And I'm like, no, we were two guys. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, you it's, were. It's, and also, yeah. no, you weren't. I, and also, maybe you were. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you, maybe yeah, maybe maybe you were, actually. Trans or, or like, and so, so rather than thinking about it in a queer sense, they were very, very heteronormative about it. And then like, oh, and also gay sex tee hee. Yeah. And it was the gay sex tee hee he that put me mm -hmm. off i right, was yeah. in my 30s when i was first um developed Eurycon. i was already an adult i was out and um in fact i remember having the conversation when i said to my wife about a real Eurycon. i said look if i do this you're out too like we're mm -hmm. out we have yeah. to we're going to be public and there's no question you can't hide so is this going to be okay with you and she brought in otherwise we would never have done it um i wasn't going to be like oh yes my my partner who doesn't like to be in the public eye? Like she's like, you know, yeah. Um, 
And I'm, by the way, if you've ever met my wife, she's the, you know, I'm the good cop. So if you ever think, God, Erica's such an asshole that you should be my wife because I'm the good cop in the family. And she still is. She's the bad cop and she's awesome. And I love her for it. So the, so the thing is that the, the, it was the sexual immaturity part, the, the slave auctions, the whipping boys through <laughs> the con, all, like that. Yeah. I didn't I even at, know that. <laughs> I, was, I, was at a, I was at a different con and I was standing in the lobby and their mascot that year was a cat boy. And they had hired somebody to play the cat boy. And everywhere he went, they had literally had hordes of screaming girls running after him. And oh, no. every time he'd see him With go through the lobby, he'd be, he'd be like hiding, oh, like no. running to hide while girls were and I was like, I thought, God, like, that's not. So I had a guy who was, I was friends with, friendly with, and he was like, oh, I'll come to Eurycon. I'm looking forward to seeing the women making out. And I'm like, well, then don't come to Eurycon. Yeah. Because yeah. We'll find that there because what we're going to be doing is talking about our love of Yuri. Yeah. And he was like, oh. And I'm like, I know, weird, right? That fans would be fanning. So I don't want to think, I don't want anyone to ever think that I think they were doing it wrong. They were doing what they were doing and they were very successful at doing it. And um, yeah. it was simply not what I envisioned or desired for Yurikon. So what we had was an event where we had fan panels and um, I actually had a, a academic track and um, industry and we had the premiere of the North American premiere of Simoon uh, there. Mm -hmm. Um, which was very cool. Um, Media Blasters was always really supportive. Media Blasters was supportive. CPM was really supportive. I was sad when they went. Um, and so we, we actually got industry companies to kind of recognize what we were trying to do. ADV was very supportive and gave us some stuff. And so as a result, they started thinking, oh, there's this audience. It's still small, but they've got it, you know? And and we would do things like um, ADV put out, I don't even remember which anime it was uh, at this point it was something about girl on girl and i said why don't we all write them very politely and explain that yuri is not girl on girl because that's porn language and not yuri language and so they took it off they stopped doing that and um and so i was trying to do this thing like where we could be super fanish you know squealy and also adults in the real world oddly it seemed to work mostly yeah. so i mean it never became successfully financially but was it ever going to be i mean at the time we're talking about what hundreds of fans all over the world not thousands not tens of thousands if you ask yeah. people they'd say there's tens of thousands of us and i'd say there's like two thousand worldwide yeah you know okay. so i think i think yaoi Khan had a very clear idea of what they wanted to do and um and they did it very successfully and but more interestingly to me is it's it's successors fujiyoshi Khan, which is a virtual con that happens now which is still pretty BL fetishy, but also really understands that it's also queer and it's, and allows the queerness and also makes space for Yuri to come in and talk. It understands that BL fans are straight and queer and, you know, cis, cis and trans and non-binary and other, you know, I'm saying that there's a, there's their understanding that the fans now are very queer. It's like, so, so the, the woman who ran Yuri uh, Yaoi Khan was very straight herself and had a very straight uh, mentality. And I was saying, okay, well, we're going to try not to be that. We're going to try to be like, it's for everybody. At a time when people were telling me, it's only for men. Yeah. I'm like, except for I'm a living proof that you're wrong. So yeah. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. you are de facto, you are wrong now. And, um, and that was, if you ever see Erica's an asshole, that's almost always the opinion that I had that. <laughs> upset them 
So also sometimes I'm just an asshole. So there's nothing like that too. But I think there were different things for different audiences and done mm-hmm. differently. But I think that what the children of Yaoi Khan are much queer. Um, I've been yeah. invited to yes. another BL Con called Citrus Con this summer, also virtual. And oh. they're also much queerer than, than um, Yaoi Khan was. They get it now. And I, I appreciate that. I do a panel. My, my most popular panel at every con I go to is called The Secret History of Yaoi and Yuri. And I talk about the literary and artistic history of Yao and Yuri and it freaks people out because they don't know that they thought like oh it's just you know these things that I read they don't realize this is like a body of literature and art that these things come from and they all have roots right. in the Heian period I start my panel in the 11th century <laughs> and I was like you should know that this is not this did not come fully formed out of your ear last year you know and and people go away and they go oh like there's culture here as well as you know titillation or whatever um but also I think the fan I think fans are are more mature as fandom. I mean, there's always individual yeah. immaturity, but whatever. Um, and you get people who argue for their immature perspectives still always. And you get <laughs> the, the, the gator sort of folks who who are angry that anyone but them exists in the world. And oh, well, sorry, guys. Then you have people who, because they discovered it, it's super pure and perfect. And that has to be protected. And I get that too, but that's never been what Yurikon's about. And Yurikon has always been about there's always a larger body and there's always more to know. Um, this year, Rachel Thorne and I, who we were talking over in Macedon, she gave me two proto-Yuri manga that I had never heard of that oh. I read and I bought and read and reviewed. So we're back into the uh, you know 70s again and the 80s, things that I didn't know. I actually have your review for Umibe no Kane open in another tab because mm-hmm. I was so interested in it. So Rachel had a really cool comment about it, and I'm actually going to be talking with her as one of my uh, early interviews for um, for Yurikon, because of course I want her opinion. Yeah. And she's so cute. She's like, I don't know anything new. And I'm like, I know, I don't want to talk about anything new. Aww. I want to talk about all the old stuff with you. Um, she said to me, you know, that my review was completely at odds with the conversation she had had with, with gay folks in Japan who all said that this was their real lived experience. And I said, okay, total fair cop. I didn't have that lived experience. It never even occurred yeah. to me while I was reading it. I fell in love with my senpai, like a good stereotype. And, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we didn't, I didn't have that, but yeah. Okay. Now that she said that, okay, yes, I could see that, but it still struck me as kind of late in the game to be so depressing. Like the late eighties, come on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was another one. Secret love was another one that I, that I also reviewed recently. So I want to talk with her about the really old stuff, like before we were queer is the the panel name. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I'm very good at pan- I'm good at titles unless I'm not. <laughs> when I'm not, I'm really, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> if I don't come up with something ahead of time, it's never going to have a good title. I guess, Erin, did you have something to say about Yaoi-Kan before we move on? No. Okay. no. Well, actually, wait, one thing. I was just going to ask about what your experience at FlameCon Oh yeah, like, because Erin and I, I have also Flame we've Con. also attended oh, FlameCon, but wonderful. we haven't gone since the pandemic. Yeah. Okay, so the last FlameCon I went to was when they last year when they came back uh, for the first mm-hmm. time in a while. I got to table with Rika Takashima. I she and I are like separated at birth. I mean, like we're so creepily <laughs> similar. Like our birthdays are even really close to each other, and we're just the same person in so many ways. And she's she's just a delight all the time. I just love hanging out with her. Um, it was. One of the most fun things I've done in years. It's just, mm-hmm. it was like a, and it was like a rainbow of joy. It was just delightful. Everybody was so excited to be back. Everybody was so happy to be there. There was, 
Um, and even since the first one, it's the queerness is there's much less stridency. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of person who's super. There, <laughs> I know every gay person goes through this, right? You go through the thing where you're wearing rainbow everything because you're like, I'm gay. God damn it! I want everybody to see that. And there's a sense of the like the first couple of years, you had a lot of people going, "I'm here and I'm queer, and you're all gonna have to watch me deal with that," you know. And and this year it was just like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad to be here." And it was like everybody was just so pulsing with joy. Mm-hmm. To be in that place, talking about this stuff and being with other comics people. And um, I got to talk with Justin Hall again, who I hadn't seen in years. And we talked a little bit. I haven't written up that interview at all, which I really should do. Um, talked about the lack of comics at FlameCon. Because it's much, yeah. actually, and this is true, at almost our, all our Sally's, there's very little original comics making because that's hard. Yeah. And yeah. prints we- are easy. When we oh. went, I was very intentional about going around and buying comics specifically Same. from artists that were tabling there because it was like, this is kind of what the space was seems to be designed for. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was too. I was buying a bunch of doji. I found a, I got a couple of really cool pieces. So yeah, I mean, that's, and I am like that at every con I go to. I always mm-hmm. intentionally go to people who do original comics work is what mm-hmm. I'm not parody work. Um, I'm not copacetic with people selling parody stuff um yeah. i understand why you do it and i understand why it makes money i just don't think it's yours so you know uh copyright is the thing um so yeah but you know every once in a while then you get something that's so good you can't pass up <laughs> like yeah. i got a t-shirt that says in the name of the moon i will fuck you up so <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah erica hypocrite yeah um so flamecom is just so joyful that yeah. was my experience so if you can come I highly recommend it. I'm going to try to attend again this year, um, if I can, pandemic and time and everything willing, mm-hmm. and uh, see if I can do a panel or two. It just It's a really nice group of people, and I think that's worth enjoying. We, we had such a great time when we went, and it actually ended up being the catalyst that made us decide to start this podcast, actually, there after the first time we went to FlameCon. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Is it? I mean, it's just everyone... You know, people talk about New York. You can always tell if someone's been to New York or understands New York or, mm-hmm. or anything, whether they're a New Yorker or not, right? Anybody yeah. talks about New York and is like, oh, it's scary. It's, a big, you know, you know, they've never been. They don't know. The energy in New York is literally one of a kind. Yeah. I've been to all the main big cities of the world. I've been to so many big cities, not all of them. I haven't been to Rome yet. But I've been to like London and Paris and Tokyo and Cairo and and San Francisco and Los Angeles and and Toronto and you know I've been all over the world and and um, I've never been anywhere like New York. It's yeah. so alive. It like pulses with liveliness and people mm-hmm. are so nice. You know, I mean, I feel that way about my own beloved New Jersey, where we have a horrible reputation, but we do that as a, a point of uh, order. Like this is like <laughs> we joke that our our motto here is "Welcome to New Jersey, now go home." Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we are really nice people. We just don't really have time for you. Um, and that's yeah. very much like New York. When New York, when New York gets together to do something, it's a great, it's always mm-hmm. going to be a great party. Yeah. No, I, I love New York. It's really great. And for any listeners, um, FlameCon is hosted in New York. And this year it's going to be on August 12th and 13th. Excellent. So. Come yeah, and definitely. come and visit. Maybe you'll see one of us. <laughs> yeah, and you know, honestly, honestly, you should do like a live po- podcast day. Maybe we can all meet up and do a live. live that day. would be fun. Yeah, if I, I fly in, I'll oh my God, Aaron, consider it. I would love please. to. I, it's been a long time since I've been in New York. Yeah, um, I know. Not since before the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's still a great place. I mean, it's it's a, it's a little bit less a lot, but it's still great. Yeah. But the, the thing that I think that makes FlameCon, and to be clear for listeners, FlameCon is all fandoms yes. queer event. So you're going to have fandoms you don't know, which is, to me, amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, mm-hmm. I love watching somebody who you just have no idea who they are. Like, please tell me who this amazing costume that you're wearing is or, or this thing that you're you're joyfully doing. But also all media. You do get panels about the Owl House and Steven Universe. You know, you get that sort of thing. You get me talking about Yawa Yuri. You get me, you know, other people talking about um, queer movies and uh, TV shows and comics. And you just get so much of everything that it really, it's, uh, it really becomes sort of a, a, a full and immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Where you yes. can really just get your nerd on in a million different ways and just walk out of there just having had the greatest time. Yeah. We are reaching an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> and I don't I don't want to keep you forever, even though I'm having so much fun, actually. No, I, I know. totally know. There's a problem every time. Like, I start talking and I tell my stories. And I'm like, no, it's great. Oh, my God. This is exactly <laughs> what we wanted. Are you kidding? <laughs> Honestly, I'm thrilled. Uh, when you hosted um, YuriCon and the Yurisai in Tokyo, mm-hmm. uh, did you have any like favorite moments? YuriCon 2005 in Tokyo was the biggest blur of my entire life. I remember very few bits, but I do remember some bits. I got to meet Ito Bunkaku Sensei, who is the publisher of um, Barozoku, which is the gay men's magazine where the word Yurizoku was coined. I got to meet him. Um, That was a real sincere honor. I remember... Gosh, I don't remember much. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I remember being asked to define Yuri. <laughs> and I said, if, I joke it because I was so fried. I jokingly said, if I like it, it's Yuri. I love it. I, I, yeah, no. you say that in your book. <laughs> and I, I swear to God, I hoped I was like, I said that it came out of my mouth. And as Ivy translated, I thought, please let that be a joke. <laughs> like, please don't land. <laughs> and everyone laughed and I was like, okay. Um, yeah, that was, that was good. Yeah. I remember something about eating oysters. Uh, I remember I remember going out to karaoke. That was a thing. I can't sing at all, so that was that was an experience. I have lots of flashes of it. It was very very interesting. It was a lot of fun, but I was super jet lagged, and really not in my right mind at all most of the time. I don't think I slept for a week. That's completely fair. Yeah, yeah. Rika Rika carried. I'm going to just say this flat out. Rika carried all the weight <laughs> on that one. I was a total dead weight. She did everything. All right. I do have to ask one more question. Okay, sure. In uh, 2009, you published an amazing interview with Nakamura Ching. Yeah. Uh, and both Aaron and I, we really enjoyed Gunjo. And, and so we're really interested um, yeah. in hearing about like what it was like to be reached out to by the author and and meet her. The story was that I was on a Japanese forum called Mixie. Mm-hmm. And Mixie was sort of like... On Facebook, it was just generic. Like, you, you, if you were into whatever, you could find people there. And so I went to all the, as I did, I went to all the Yuri groups and said, "Hey, hi, I'm an American and I'm into Yuri." Blah blah blah. And I got this message from this person saying, "You know, would you like something that's like not this like dark Yuri?" And I was like, "Hell yes, I would." Yeah. And um, Nakamura Sensei sent me an issue of Morning Two at the time was where it ran, and I started reading Gunjo. And I describe Gunjo as eating the most delicious razor blades. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. It is so intense and so breathtakingly awful and beautiful. I can't describe it. It's extremely violent um, and not in a fun way. Um, mm-hmm. It's just straight up 
extremely violent, but in a way that, that really just hit me perfectly. And I just, I was completely flabbergasted by Gunjo for listeners. Gunjo is about a, um, a woman who has been abused her whole life and the lesbian who's in love with her. And she asks the lesbian to please kill her abusive husband. And she does. And the Mm -hmm. story starts immediately after the crime has taken place and the two of them are on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nakamura Sensei and I have stayed in touch over the years. Uh, we're not we're not chatty people. We don't. I actually got to meet her the first time in 2016 when I did a talk at the Tokyo Comic Showcase part of Rainbow Pride Week uh, in Tokyo, which was amazing. And the two of us were so nerdy and and awkward that we didn't really even say. And we were like literally right there in the same room. We didn't say anything to each other and wrote each other. We're like really sorry about that. And she, she, she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so awkward. I'm like, oh, no, no, you were fine. I was 100% right Aww. there. She was really nice. Um, but then a couple of years later, we went back um, and we got to meet her and her manager. And we went out to lunch. I have some very funny stories about that. Ultimately, I, we made them go to Harajuku with us to the Sailor Moon store where we all bought. Uh, we went and put money into one of these little kitty machines and got like fake uh-huh. plastic watches. And we all got, they all were all Sailor Jupiter watches. And so they all see seven o'clock on them. They're all broken. And so we were walking around the next door. So they're like, Nanji, Jessica. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Um, but, and we made them go to Kitty Land with us and buy Sailor Moon toys as well. Uh, so it was totally not at all the kind of stuff that she's into. And so we had a really, really fun time with her. And uh, we talked about Gunjo. Ultimately, we, I didn't get Gunjo to be um, translated here in English, except for the first volume, which is on her blog. And I, I do have mm-hmm. that. You can find that on Okazu. But we did get from her separately was Gunjo was adapted into a movie mm-hmm. on Netflix called Ride or Die. Yeah. And it is extremely violent and full of very extended, very um, explicit sex, lesbian sex. It's not the same story. It doesn't end the same yeah. um, way at all, sort of. And it's it's not the same story, but I think it's a very interesting story. And I was gl- very, very glad I had watched it. Mm-hmm. Not sure that I would recommend it to other people because it is very violent, as the manga is. And there's a difference between manga violence and, and you know movie violence. Like the blood spurting is, is a different thing. You know what I mean? The violence in the manga is more the two women, and the violence in the the movie is the one killing the, the abusive husband. So, yeah. and there is some there is some domestic violence as well, which is a really rough scene. So, yeah. I, I do recommend it, but with with all those content warnings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we talked we talk about um, ride or die and um, Gunjo in an episode, and cool. yeah, one of our main complaints with the movie is that it the opening scene really focuses on the husband where mm. the manga picks up after he's died. And I think the, the, the focus being on the two main characters is, is just a lot stronger in the manga. I do. I also think there's a scene um, when they're on the run, there's a scene where they're sitting in a cafe. Yes. It's the only yeah. moment where there's one shot. And I thought, my God, that's the panel in the manga. I could tell you what panel in the manga that mm-hmm. is. And that was my favorite moment. Because they got her, they got glasses, they got Magana-san, you know, and they're given names in the movie, which they are not in the manga. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that I actually didn't like about the movie, and I'll be really honest, is I thought the sex scenes were so long, so extended. <laughs> I, thought, I, I was I so bored by them. I'm honestly, you know, it was too long. Yeah. It was too much. <laughs> Ultimately, it turned out that the director is a very famous pink movie director. Yes, so I was yeah. like, okay, well, that makes perfect sense, but someone still really needed to edit these down a bit. 
because they'd go on and on and on and on. Like, let me just, I'll just be back. I'm gonna go go to the get some groceries and go back. <laughs> it just went on too long. Uh, by chance, do you know how Nakamura Ching feels about the movie? She has very mixed feelings. Yeah, I would imagine that's fair. Yeah, she was more concerned with the way the the domestic violence was was portrayed, and because she's doing a lot of work with domestic violence groups and mm-hmm. um, familial abuse groups, so that's more of a concern for her. Uh, but yeah, she had very mixed feelings. I think I don't think she hated it, but I think she was really sick of it after a year working on it. So. I think that's fair. I think all of us. I mean, I feel that way about my book too. Somebody said to me, "Have you read your book since?" I'm like, "No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read it plenty of times. I'm done." <laughs> you know. I mean, that's ultimately that's um, that's the accomplishment that I'm really proudest of in the in the pandemic. You know, you know, I'll have fun doing Eurycon stuff. I'm really glad I did Yuri Studio videos. I'm I'm really happy that our Discord is a happy place. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I have a book. You know, and the book came yes. out, and, it, and people don't hate it. <laughs> people are reading it some a couple of my friends too have reached out to me and been like hey have you heard of this and i'm like yes i've already read it loved it so you know people are talking about it yeah excellent all right so so i'm gonna be self-indulgent what's your favorite part great question actually um you know i did not grow up on utana and i watched it for the first time about a year and a half ago and my take was that i didn't really get it (laughs) Um, And your article on Utena really gave me a a new perspective uh, on it and made me appreciate it a lot more. Excellent. Um, So I was very grateful for that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Again, I'm just a Yuri consumer, but I do love to go back and like look into the history of things. So actually, I really enjoyed the... Uh, essay on 40 years the same damn story same damn story yeah 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 uh, because what great. happens is people go you know oh like i've seen that i'm like yeah there, but there's a reason why you said like yeah you know yeah. oscar from rose of versailles is why you see the same character over and over and over and over like, like yeah. yeah there's reasons why and this is why jury looks the way she is is because of any summer eh. so if you look at jury yep. In Utena, and you think, wow, she looks familiar. So, like, because she's Mia Sama, yeah, like, yeah, literally <laughs> who she is. So, yeah, I mean, and it was actually that was the thing. I was um, watching Utena and thinking, yeah, these are all look a lot like these other characters. And mm-hmm. then I read the movie manga, uh, which is now collected into the Viz manga collection. So, if you get the two volume of Viz manga collection of Utena, you get the movie manga. But I had the movie manga in Japanese and I read it and I'm like, holy shit, this is the same ending. Not the same, but it's the same concept of ending as Yoshia Nobuko's Yanoru no Shoujo. And I was at MIT talking to Sarah Frederick, who I'm going to be speaking with at the end of the month mm-hmm. for our first panel for Eurycon, our first interview. And I said to her, you know, is it my imagination that that move, that thing in this thing or the same? And she was like, I don't think that she's like, if you see that there, that's probably right. And I, and I, all of a sudden I realized that there was, there were these roots, these literary roots and artistic roots that Western fandom did not know. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to know. I wanted them to, I wanted them to watch Strawberry Panic and go, oh, right. Of course, Wuthering Heights, obviously, of course, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, and, and why wouldn't you immediately recognize Wuthering Heights? And um, I wanted people to go, you know, Carmen is meant ironically because it's both Carmen and Carmen underneath the story of mm-hmm. Carmen, you know. And uh, and at the end of Strawberry Panic, and I kept saying this the whole time that I really, really, really hope that the end of Strawberry Panic, the anime, would be The Graduate. And anyone who's seen The Graduate or knows about what The Graduate's about would understand what that reference would be. And then they did it. And I was so happy because it seemed the obvious 
last final thing to steal <laughs> from somewhere <laughs> else and yeah. slap into this giant, you know, multiverse fic that they had created. But I wanted people to understand that these things existed and that they should know about them because why shouldn't you want to know about things? Ultimately, and I've said this a lot recently, the thing that I find most attractive in person is a sense of curiosity. I don't want people mm-hmm. going, yeah, I don't really care. And you can you could do that about some things, of course. Yeah. But I want people to, I like people who go, I wonder how that got to be that way, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly a person who always incessantly, I'm like a five-year-old, but why, but why, but why? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that for readers who might not know a lot about Yuri, they'll take away a lot of recommendations and a lot about the history. Um, and for readers who do know a lot about Yuri, like myself, it felt a little bit like I had all of the puzzle pieces and you would put the puzzle together for me. Nice. And it was very, very satisfying to read. So thank you so much for thank you putting so it much. together and putting it out. No, I know. Yeah. You. I'm really glad. And for anybody on the fence, because uh, I, I don't actually read a lot of nonfiction. Uh, Erica at the convention said like, oh, you know, this is a, a book that you can just kind of like pick up and you can read the chapters that interest you. And mm-hmm. they're not too long. And then you can put it away. And then the next day you can read a little bit more of like what interests you. And that's how I read the book. And it was very good. And yeah. excellent. Well, so. a lot of these started as either presentations or essays on Okazu. So mm-hmm. they were written in small chunks. They were none of this was like massive long form writing, except for I think two academic articles in there. Um, and I'm very clear about which one. This is a very academic, like I have a little thing, like this is super academic. So if you don't want to deal with this, do not deal with this one. Just jump right on to the next one. The point is that I, I'm not trying to bore you to death. I want you to find it amusing. <laughs> I want you, I, I describe it as a series of conversations we're having over the dinner table, you know, that we're, we're chatting, we're telling stories. And you, mm-hmm. so a lot of it's repeated footage, you know, dad telling the same joke 5,000 times. Um, but a lot of it's something like you get there later and when I refer to it, you're like, oh, right, now I understand, you know, this thing mm-hmm. is that night. Um, and, and the end of it was the hardest part to write because even as I was writing that last chapter, so much was changing in real time. We were getting yeah. so much Yuri and there's stuff I did. I was doing that, that stereotypical thing like, don't go to press, I got to write another bit, you know, <laughs> and, and I didn't get everything in there. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, we're two years after I finished it. More like a year and a half, I guess. And it's there's so much more that could be said, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's ideally, you know, for for our next book. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it was a good time. I and mean, it took me 20 years to build the audience. You know, the audience took 20 years to build and to be built and to have enough stuff. But what happened was, as we kept saying we want more, there was a little bit more. And we'd say we want more. And there was a little bit bigger audience each time, each step, each each key series. So after after Noir and then after Stormy Panic and after uh, Sweet Blue mm-hmm. Flowers and after Maria Samagamitharu, which was a much huger deal in Japan than it was here, but it was a huge deal um, here too. Um, each key big series becomes another wave of, oh, wow, I didn't realize this existed. And so, of course, the whole new group of people say, I want more. So I think at this point, I mean, it took us till 2010s to be a, a recognized genre, but now it is. And now there's an audience and now publishers, and this is the cool part, the American publishers and the Japanese publishers understand that there's an audience for Yuri stuff. But more importantly, both Japanese and American publishers and creative teams are starting to see the value in queer stories. So when you get stories like I'm in love with the villainess, which is 
ostensibly isekai. It's just an isekai story. Only it's the it's a genuinely queer narrative, and there's not just one queer narrative. There are multiples, and as the light novels go on, there's there's multiple trans narratives and multiple multiple stories about different kinds of queerness and. So you, you're getting like a writer who's just writing and we're getting an anime of that. Like, how's that going to look? I can't wait to find out. Like, are they going to have that conversation? And I, they have to, cause it's kind of a key point in the story. So <laughs> it'll be very interesting to me to see how successful that is. Or then you have something like um, Birdie Wing, which I have to squeeze in or I will lose my charger card um birdie wing was a, this great girls golf story it was a golf girl story um anime and we're getting a second season in april and it was ridiculous it was an absurdity it was I've, stupid was i've awful. heard it compared to like Yu-Gi-Oh, kind uh, of like kinda, in, absolutely I've never heard of this. Yeah. yeah it's it's fantasy underground mafia golf yeah I but feel like also, this is like when I learned about Keijo for the first time. Right, right. And okay. I was like, are you you're you're kidding me? They made an anime about this? Anime about <laughs> so so Birdie Wing though, the thing about Birdie Wing is that the writer of the anime also wrote some of our great Yuri series from the early two thousands, like um Madlax and uh, mm -hmm. El Caso de la Bruja and that whole girls with guns on the run thing and and knows that audience and is writing for that audience and we were that audience in 2003 so it's it's that stuff too so it's really leaning heavily on that and then suddenly it's also like a total shoujo girls club golf club story so it's this amazing amalgam of all of the things all at once but done with a understanding of why each one of these things is important mm -hmm. to Yuri but also interesting and what you could do with it and how you could have fun with it and it's done firmly tongue-in-cheek this looks incredible um, I can't believe that she's known as the rainbow bullet it's <laughs> and even the song let me tell you even about the OP the woman who, who sings the OP she herself is so badass she sang the opening scene theme to Cardcaptor Sakura the first one oh, oh really? such a good one so and good. Ultimately, when she went to go leave her her production company, they said to her, well, we're keeping your name. You can't have it. It's ours. And so she took them to court and won and kept her name. And so she's a perfect example of, like, she, they could not have picked a better choice for that opening thing. Like, she is literally exactly everything, you know? She's like, yes, it's women being badass on their own terms mm -hmm. for this anime that is badass and Yuri on its own terms and also understands what its own roots are. And th I love things that understand what its roots are. It's why Maria Samagami Thoreau was so amazing. And I really wish yeah. the light novels could come here and they're probably never going to get here. But Kono Yuki wrote a novel series and she understood every single root that she was leaning on. And she puts them in there and goes, now I'm going to do something completely ridiculous with it. And we're all going to have a lot of fun. And it was I've read every single one of her novels of that series, and they're just, they're amazing. They're amazingly well-written and some of the best light novels I've ever read. Having an understanding of the roots and then going and playing with them mm -hmm. and flying is what makes things like Birdie Wings so great. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I am yeah. putting it on my to-watch list. Yeah. Definitely, because we're getting, we're getting the second season in April, so you have to So I have up. to catch up. Yeah. It's excellent. Also, I heard that there were a lot of, like, lesbian undertones slash overtones, but I, I hadn't. I wasn't aware that the like creator had done Yuri work. Yeah, it's it's lesbian undertones is vastly 
understating. Oh, <laughs> it's super, right? <laughs> super. Like so, so one of the characters is she plays gay beautifully, but then the other character is the one who's probably really gay. And the thing is, there's there's a big spoiler there. There's a thing that that's leading up to that's really not. It's like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem great, but I feel like every single thing that they do in the story. They lead you in a particular path and then they completely crush your expectation and do something so completely not what we're expecting. The thing that becomes obvious and everybody is sure of, I think maybe might not end up being the, the thing. So I don't want to spoil any of that. So if you want to come on the Yurikon Discord and go, Erica, what was that thing? <laughs> I will let you know the thing because because it is a thing. But anyway, it's a even if it's not, even if it wasn't Yuri, it would be amazing, but it is also Yuri. So. All right recommended excited to watch yeah yeah that means we can talk about it on the podcast (laughs) yeah i'll be glad to come back and rant about that oh (laughs) honestly we would love to have you back typically when we've had guests in the past we've asked them to suggest a series and then we'll talk about it from there well birdie wing is my series wing if you're right yeah we would love to have you back or or i'm in love with the villainous that would be also awesome something really great honestly things should be you should be watching a ton of anime right now so like um yeah the magical revolution the thing they do about the, that they do in this particular anime that I really appreciate is they don't do the light novel directly. So they actually mm-hmm. rewrite the time period. So you're you're getting it from the story from the beginning and moving forward instead of starting in media res and then moving backwards and forwards. Um, and they tell you bits of the story. They cut out huge chunks of the story that, while important, would make the anime very boring. Mm-hmm. Like it's all ex- expository. Um, and then but they put in stuff that didn't happen in the light novel and it all makes really good sense. So I'm going to say it's actually a fun watch. I'm really excited to see what they do with I'm in love with the villainous. I'm just dying to see how they handle everything. It's just going to be so interesting because we've never had an anime like it before because it's an overtly queer story. Yeah. I'm excited. You can't do it and not be, like there's a conversation early on where one character returns to the main character of the story. You one of those people they call gay? I mean, like you can't skip that. It's yeah, a big chunk of the story. So, okay. Well, I think that we're gonna start wrapping up then. Super. But thank you very th- much for your thank time. you so much. No, thank you so much for coming on and spending a couple of hours chatting with oh, us about pleasure. your experiences. And I, I had a great time. And like like you said, we could do this for hours. You know, I know seriously easily could. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had we had a list of questions. We cut down our questions significantly, and then we didn't even get up to all of them. <laughs> no, I know, I, you know, that's fine. That I, is, I that's do fine. I do go on, but um, no, yeah, that's what we wanted. You had great questions too, other, yeah. other than the recommendations. You do great questions. Oh no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and I still no. recommend doing something anyway. Birdie yeah, um, I know. Yeah, which is not which is I'm gonna. Some people are gonna be watching that and going, "What on earth did she mean?" You know, like, "What is she asking me to watch?" Because it is crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's wonderful crazy I do like a good gonzo anime again thank you so much this was really fun thank yeah, you so you much for having time. me I'm, I'm just had a great time I love it <laughs> thank you and thank you for doing this podcast oh thank you thank you so and thank you to our listeners as well for listening through this um, if you feel like it you should follow us on twitter at gaze gaze um, Erica where can people find you on the internet um, well you can find me pretty much everywhere but I am Okazu Yuri on Twitter. I am also mm-hmm. Okazu Yuri on Mastodon. Mm-hmm. And um, the easiest way to find me, to be really honest, is go to yuricon.com and go to the links page where all of our all of our communities are listed. So you have the Facebook community, our Discord, which I'm on most of the time. 
and uh, I'm pretty much I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm probably in your closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to get in touch with us off of Twitter, um, or if you're listening to this after Twitter has already died, you can email us anytime at Aaron at gazegaze.com. That'll reach both of us um, to send us thoughts, ideas, recommendations, or any questions you might have. Many thanks to Kate and Leslie from Neon and Nude for letting us use their songs Look in Love and You Pretty Thing for our intro and our outro music. You should go buy their album at neonandnude.bandcamp.com, um, but you can also stream it on Spotify. And next week, we're taking a suggestion from three of our listeners who all independently reached out to suggest it, which is the movie Tar. Um, and this was recommended in chronological order by Junie, Samantha, and Taya. So I'm very right. excited about that. Cool. They were all very excited to see how we respond to it and said, don't look it up. Just watch it blind. Don't read any synopses. Don't spoil <laughs> yourself on it. So cool. Wow. Um, we'll see. Yeah. But until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Aaron. And I'm Erica. Sadly, I'm not an Aaron. Wouldn't that have been nice? I know. Well, we're all Aries. <laughs> well, like yeah, E R I. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. a second, I thought you meant we're all Aries, like zodiac no, sign. No, and I was like, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what What are you, Erin? I'm a Pisces, and you are. I'm an Aquarius. Okay, it was the no, no, no. I'm like, bets Virgo or Aquarius. <laughs> I, I'm a, um, I got no, 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 a number. I'm a Virgo rising too. Oh, nice. So. Mm. I'm yeah. a triple Virgo with moon so, with an Aquarius moon sign, so that should explain oh, yeah. everything about me. Yeah. Yeah. I have an Aquarius moon too. Oh, nice. I should have known. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, that instant connection. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> anyway, and that's all. Bye. Yeah, that's all. Bye. Bye. Hey.